Blessed be God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Almighty God, to you all hearts are open, all desires known, and from you no secrets are hid. Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. O God, you have taught us to keep all your commandments by loving you and our neighbor. Grant us the grace of your Holy Spirit that we may be devoted to you with our whole heart and united to one another with pure affection through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. A reading from Zechariah. Rejoice greatly, O daughter Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter Jerusalem. Lo, your king comes to you. Triumphant and victorious is he, humble and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. He will cut off the chariot from Ephraim and the war horse from Jerusalem, and the battle bow shall be cut off, and he shall command peace to the nations. His dominion shall be from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. As for you also, because of the blood of my covenant with you, I will set your prisoners free from the waterless pit. Return to your stronghold, O prisoners of hope. Today I declare that I will restore to you double the word of the Lord. We will read Psalm 145, verses 8 through 15, responsibly by full verse. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger and of great kindness. The Lord is loving to everyone and his compassion is over all his works. All your works praise you, O Lord, and your faithful servants bless you. They make known the glory of your kingdom and speak of your power. That the peoples may know of your power and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. Your dominion endures throughout all ages. The Lord is faithful in all his words and merciful in all his deeds. The Lord upholds all those who fall. He lifts up those who are bowed down. The second lesson is a reading from Romans. I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Now if I do what I do not want, I agree that the law is good. But in fact, it is no longer that I do it, but sin dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells within me, that is, in my flesh. I can will what is right, but I cannot do it. For, do I, for I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I do. Now if I do what I do not want, it is no longer that I, I that do it, but sin that dwells within me. So I find it to be a law that when I want to do what is good, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inmost self, but I see in my members another law at war with the law of my mind, making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will rescue me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. The word of the Lord. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Matthew. Jesus said, 
To what will I compare this generation? It is like children sitting in the marketplaces and calling to one another. We played the flute for you, and you did not dance. We wailed, and you did not mourn. For John came neither eating nor drinking. And they say, he was a demon. The son of man came eating and drinking. And they say, look, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Yet wisdom is vindicated by their deeds. At that time, Jesus said, Thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and the intelligent and have revealed them to infants. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all you that are weary and are carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. The Gospel of the Lord. This seems an odd place to pick up for our Gospel reading today. At the point we left off last week, Jesus was instructing the disciples directly. We concluded with a reminder that the disciples are, in committing themselves fully to the kingdom of God and its proclamation, carrying the welcome of God into the world. But I think it's important to note a pivot here in Jesus' teaching that occurs in the section we didn't read between the end of chapter 10 and where we are today in the middle to end of chapter 11. Chapter 11 begins with, Now when Jesus had finished instructing his twelve disciples, he went on from there to teach and proclaim his message in their cities. From his prison cell, John hears what Jesus has been teaching in the cities and sends word to Jesus asking, Are you the one who is to come, or are we to wait for another? Instead of a direct answer, typical Jesus, he tells John's disciples to go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor have the good news brought to them. As John's disciples hurry off to relay this message, Jesus turns back to the crowds and tries to draw the connection for them between an understanding of John's prophetic identity and how they should appropriately respond to his message of what the kingdom of God looks like. And here's where we begin our funny description of children playing in the marketplace from today. When I read this text the first time, I was instantly drawn to the description of children playing, because that is, after all, much of my existence as a kindergarten teacher. <clears throat> the analogy trying to be made here is that the call and response of group play has been initiated, and some friends have failed to respond appropriately to the prompts. Verse 17 says, We played the flute for you, but you did not dance. We wailed, and you did not mourn. Now this sounds like an odd form of play. But the story I'm about to tell you, I'm sure would have sounded profoundly odd 
to ancient ears as well. But this idea of failure to respond appropriately to the play prompts, hold on to that. So earlier this week, a group of three tiny humans have situated themselves behind the blue tubes on our playground and had some sort of transactional black market type deal going (laughs) that included an array of small shards of chalk, large mulch pieces, and numerous buckets and plastic containers spread out (laughs) around them. There was some intense gesticulating, and it was accompanied with much foot stomping from both parties in this exchange. Then, the tallest of the three tiny humans flings his arms in the air, lets out a loud and mournful wail, and then collapses on the ground crying. I kid you not. (laughs) The dialogue went as follows. Me. Hi, friend. Can you help me understand what happened? You look very sad. Wailing tiny human. They won't let me have any of their Skittles, and I really need some. Now, as an aside, it is well within the realm of possibility for candy or other random objects from home to have made their way to the playground via pockets or tightly clenched fists. So I began a TSA search for said candy, and none is to be found. Me. I don't see any Skittles. Did one of you bring them in your pockets today? Tiny human black market dealer. Um, no, Miss Caitlin. They are right here, and he cannot have any. Poor wailing tiny human cries even harder as I scan the ground and the air for Skittles. But in fact, they are imaginary Skittles, and they have been right in front of my face the whole time. I am saved by another tiny human passing by who offers a handful of air that is apparently Starbursts. And the wailing tiny human manages to find his composure again. So this idea of play, of connection, and failing to make the appropriate response when it's been extended to you, that's what happened on our playground this week. And that is what Jesus is using to describe the response of the political, economic, and religious elite, the workers of imperial domination, to his message of healing, welcome, and wholeness for the marginalized, poor, and oppressed. They have missed the boat. They've made the wrong connections and failed to respond to live in solidarity with the blind, deaf, lame, dying, and the poor. Because that is what the kingdom of God is. So what does this idea of play have to teach us about the welcome of the kingdom of God? Let's all be early childhood educators for a moment. The broadly accepted definition of play in my world is play is a spontaneous, voluntary, pleasurable, and flexible activity involving a combination of body, object, symbol use, and relationships. Play behavior is disorganized and is typically done for its own sake, meaning the process is more important than any goals or endpoints. So what if this definition of play also works beautifully to describe what faith looks like in the outworking of the kingdom of God? Let's break it down part by part. First, it is spontaneous and voluntary. Understanding how to live 
in a way that exudes the welcome of God has to be a choice. It's one the disciples made as they stepped away from their work, families, and cultural norms in order to practice an inverted set of values that seemed nonsensical in a system of imperial domination and oppression. It has to be flexible. It cannot be rigid, unable to bend and change as time and culture shifts the narrative on who ought to be the victims of domination and oppression. It involves body, object, symbol use, and relationships. And I cannot help but glance behind me. Here, each week, the Eucharist reminds us through object, symbol, and relationship that God continues to demonstrate a radical commitment to us, a willingness to be placed into our hands and fully enter our lives. Like Johnny said last week, in this sacrament, God's justice is revealed to be mercy. And we are reminded that we do not bear the welcome of God alone. The person in the room least like us is just as much the bearer of that mercy as we are. And now for my favorite part of the definition. Play is disorganized and done for its own sake, meaning the process is more important than any goals or endpoints. So what if faith is a disorganized process? What if it is constantly evolving as we grow to understand more deeply how to resist systems of domination and oppression? I, for one, did not inherit this view of faith in my formative years. For most of my life, I was taught, and I believed, that faith was a sense of confidence, a sense of certainty that my set of beliefs were correct. However, that ran amok when I realized I couldn't hold that version of faith in one hand and also the radical welcome of God in the other. And I think about that today, probably more than most days. Today would have been my seventh wedding anniversary. But instead of celebrating that, I am celebrating that the radical welcome of God is a judgment of mercy. It comes to us for exactly who we are, exactly how we were born to be, and it envelops us in expansive love. It says we do not have to morph ourselves into something else to receive that love. It is simply placed in our open hands. So this all sounds very nice. (laughs) Faith as play. How cute. But in reality, it's not. Play is the work of childhood. It is integral in shaping who our little ones become and how they think about the world around them. And what tools do they use to do this? Imagination and exploration. Imagination and exploration require risk and uncertainty. And this is what it is to live with messy, disorganized faith that the kingdom of God, a judgment of mercy for us all, is possible in such a beautiful but ugly world.
The final verses in our reading for today say, Come to me, all you that are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, learn from me, for I am gentle, humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Maybe part of a yoke that is easy and light in a scary and difficult world is the idea of a faith that is more like play than certainty, more like discovery than arrival, more like liberation than perfection. Maybe there is rest in knowing the key element of faith is the process, not the end point. As we move towards the Eucharist this morning, may you find rest in remembering that God moves towards us in body, object, and symbol. May you find rest knowing that our burdens and our weariness do not have to be clung to tightly. I know sometimes I hold on to mine with a death grip. They can be set down for a while so that we can cup our hands and receive a tangible reminder of God's solidarity with us. God extends to us an offer to live with the brilliance and the fragility of a child who finds joy and pleasure in the moment without needing to control or understand all that goes on around them. And maybe, sometimes, all you need is an imaginary starburst. Amen. Let's stand and affirm our faith in the words of the Nicene Creed. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, the eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven. By the power of the Holy Spirit, he became incarnate from the Virgin Mary and was made man. For our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day, he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son. The Father and the Son, he is worshipped and glorified. He has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Catholic and Westcott Church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and life in the world to come. Amen. Let us pray for the church and the world. The prayers of the people are form six. In peace we pray to you, Lord God, for all people in their daily life and work. For our families, friends, and neighbors and for those who are alone. Remembering especially Joseph, our president, the Congress of these United States, Bill, our governor, courts of justice, and Pat and Richard, our mayors, we pray for this community, the nation, and the world. For all who work for justice, freedom, and peace. For the just and proper use of your creation. 
for the victims of hunger, fear, injustice, and oppression. For all who are in danger, sorrow, or any kind of trouble. For those who minister to the sick, the friendless, and the needy. For the peace and unity of the Church of God. For all who proclaim the gospel and all who seek the truth. For Justin, the Archbishop of Canterbury, Michael, our presiding bishop, Brian, our bishop, Johnny, our rector, Chris and Gordon, our deacons, in our diocese for St. Barnabas, Jefferson City, and in our companion diocese of South Dakota for Holy Spirit, Firesteel, and for all bishops and other ministers. For all who serve God in his church. For the special needs and concerns of this congregation, especially Sister and Gordon, Becky, Carolyn, Jeannie, Stephanie and family, Ed, Bill, Tony, Cal, Louisa, Catherine, Randy, Mariana, Martha, Mike, Alice and Witt, Dorin, Beth, Myra, Rick, Jay, John, Kim, Diana, Jackson, Jonathan, Patricia, Jonathan, Van, Sarah Beth, Jason, Daryl, Doc, Mike, Gary, Phyllis, Kim, Diane, Larry, Alice, Matt, Richard, Paul, Daryl, and Don. Hear us, Lord, for your mercy is great. We thank you, Lord, for all the blessings of this life. We will exalt you, O God, our God, our King. And praise your name forever and ever. We pray for all who have died, that they may have a place in your eternal kingdom. Lord, let your loving kindness be upon them. Who put their trust in you. We pray to you also for the forgiveness of our sins. Have mercy upon us, most merciful Father. In your compassion, forgive us our sins, known and unknown, things done and left undone. And so uphold us by your Spirit, that we may live and serve you in newness of life, to the honor and glory of your name, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Almighty God, have mercy on you, forgive you all your sins, through our Lord Jesus Christ, strengthen you in all goodness, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, keep you in eternal life. Amen. Friends, the peace of the Lord be always with you. And now as our Savior Christ has taught us, we are bold to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Eternal God, Heavenly Father, you have graciously accepted us as living members of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, and you have fed us with spiritual food in the sacrament of his body and blood. Send us now to the world in peace, and grant us strength and courage to love and serve you with gladness and singleness of heart, through Christ our Lord. Amen. May God the Holy Trinity make you strong in faith and love, defend you on every side, and guide you in truth and peace. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be among you and remain with you always. Amen. 
Go in peace to love and serve the Lord. Alleluia, alleluia.